Hey, Lodgecasters, welcome to the Lodgecast, the official podcast of Gentleman'sAvenue.com. I'm Mr. M, your host. We're at the Lodge in Whittier, California. You're tuned in to episode four. We have a great guest lined up for you, so stay tuned. We have Echo Park Guitars. We have the founder, the owner, the luthier. He will be here on set, so stay tuned for that interview. Today is 4-15-17, April 15th. 2017. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Old Duck Grooming. You want to check them out. This is our own product line. We designed an all-natural, and I mean when I mean all-natural, I mean absolutely no chemicals in this product. It is a men's grooming product. It is a shave cream. It comes out in two fragrances. We have the Trail, which has a nice, musky, uh, manly scent to it, really outdoorsy. And then we have a fresh scent. That one has a real bright, fresh, you know, awakened kind of type feel to it. Get your morning started. These are great shave creams. You'll see them up on the screen. For those of you tuned into the podcast, make sure you check out our website because we're going to be putting graphics up on the screen for you to see. And um, you want to check these out. This this, uh, shave cream is unlike anything that's out there right now. Trust me, there's nothing out there on the market. This is an all-natural product, no chemicals, no harshness. A lot of these ingredients, as a matter of fact, have been used for thousands of years as medicine. At one point, one of the ingredients was worth its weight in literal gold. But what do the ancients know, right? So anyways, make sure you check out, and we'd like to thank Old Duck Grooming for sponsoring this episode. Make sure to find us on our website, gentlemansavenue.com forward slash the Lodgecast, also on social media. You can find us at Twitter, at The Lodgecast, on Instagram, Lodgecast. So let me give you the latest and the greatest. So we just released our episode with the co-star of George Lopez's show, Citric. It went really well. I mean, you want to talk about a great experience. I mean, it's cool, you know, having, you know, it was a packed house that day. We had some publicists in-house. We had Citric here and we had a few other people here. Uh, his girlfriend, Marisol, I mean, just really cool people. I mean, these are, you know, they, they came to my garage for God's sakes. They didn't, you know, come to some Hollywood set. They didn't come to some big NBC or, you know, big time. No, they, I reached out to them. These are real people. These are people that are willing to go out there and put their name and their face in front of, you know, my audience, all you guys out there, for wherever you're at, wherever you're tuned in and wherever you're watching that, if you're in Japan, if you're in South Korea, the Netherlands, they, they wanted to be seen by you guys. So, you know, I'm really thankful for them. The episode went great. I had a blast with them. Citric is really, you know, just a really down-to-earth guy. You know, he's uh, not pretentious at all. I uh, didn't sit there and make a bunch of demands or, you know, ask for things that were just unattainable. So, didn't ask for anything, just... I think a, a bottle of water. So anyways, but that, that episode came out. And like I said, I'm really, really thankful for it. And we have, I mean, right now our May uh, schedule is already booked. We're looking already into June and the list keeps growing and growing. So you're going to want to stay tuned because the podcast is definitely evolving and growing. And uh, by the end of the week here, uh, by the time this airs, we should be on iTunes. Uh, we're working out some kinks with them, but uh, hopefully we'll have that. So without further ado, that is the latest and the greatest, but I'd like to invite Gabriel onto our set, uh, the owner, the man, the myth, the legend behind Echo Park Guitars. Come on in, Gabriel. 
How's it going, my brother? Pretty good, brother. How are you? Oh man, it's it's uh, it's a beautiful day here. It's an honor. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm uh, glad to finally uh, meet you. I mean, it's been. Uh, it's. I think we were talking earlier. Offset. What is it about? Three or four years, maybe something like that. Yeah, it's and been a while. Yeah, I think I. I just. It was in the. Uh, we did. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Gabriel uh, is the founder. He is the owner. He's the luthier. He's the man. The myth. The hands that make Echo Park guitars. Uh, here locally, it's uh, local, but internationally known. Right, like many others, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's 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 not like many others because it caught my eye. I mean, I, I do see a lot of of people out there doing it, and that's what caught my eye. I think uh, we did. Um, it was in our magazine and our Ed Ed Hardy, yeah, um, the one where he was on the cover. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, I think the I did a whole section on. Uh, I think I titled it the crafts craftsman revolution or yeah and you were featured echo park guitars alan edmund shoes mm -hmm. iron roots cutlery mm -hmm. and willemma hat company and these were just companies that i felt and people i mean because really it comes down to people it's not corporate you know it's individuals and to see your work and to see that you're building guitars and doing it and it's causing a revolution i mean this whole thing of not I think in your interview you said something to the extent of it's not like IKEA, you know, right? Yeah, there's a lot of things about it that aren't like anything else, really. I mean, uh, I grew up, you know, like I said earlier, uh, in Highland Park, Glassell Park, you know, in the 70s and pretty rough. And we didn't have nothing but our imaginations, really, to, to you know, uh, keep us occupied you know mm -hmm. or or other things <laughs> you know yeah, what i mean yeah. so so i kind of you know i wasn't you know i was jumped and all that stuff early on as a kid and, and mm -hmm. it just never like that never really stuck with me so i found myself um you know my dad was an artist and my mom was you know she's half you know she's native american so i'm a half breed basically and growing up in in a predominantly Latino gang infested community, mm -hmm. uh, I had no other thing to to kind of lose myself in, except for music and art. And you know, thankfully, my my dad and, and the community that I was raised in had a pretty vibrant art community. You mm -hmm. know, and I wound up. Uh, going to like my mom took me to like uh, free classes at Barnesdale Park, mm -hmm. so I I took you know like film, you know stop animation and stuff like that mm -hmm. as a kid, you know, and uh, and you know that I think that's where it kind of started with the hands, you mm -hmm. know, and and the tactile kind of yeah, yeah. energy, and and you learn that you can do something with your hands and kind of get lost in it, you know, and that's kind of, it was my escape, basically. Anything I could get my hands on, basically, whether it was drawing or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I could, I think that's where it started for me, you know, was, and then as I, 
you know, as I grew older, you know, you you you, you go down your different roads and stuff like that, and 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 uh, I, I think it just became a, a part of of who I am. You mm-hmm. know, was having to express myself via making things. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I say it's not IKEA or you know other other manufactured type of things, it's uh, you know there's commercial products and then there's everything else. You know, so. Uh, I kind of see that in, in music and in all the arts, you know, mm-hmm. and specifically, you know, the creative uh, media arts. And so, uh, yeah, I gravitated towards making things pretty early on. Yeah, because Echo Park isn't too far from here. I mean, we're yeah. in Whittier, and Echo Park is probably about a, what, 20, 30-minute drive? Yeah. Um, and Echo Park's gone through a lot of changes, right? I mean, it's gone from being a really, really just predominantly Hispanic community. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, there mm. was a lot of gang activity and crime. And now, how? What, what's happened within the last few years? It's, it's uh, you know, it's been bought and sold on the open real estate market, and, and it's gentrified, you know, mm-hmm. like so many other places that you and I probably have, have ventured on early mm-hmm. in life. Um, the funny thing about Echo Park is that it is actually the capital and I mean the capital, the first place that the entertainment industry, the, the film industry started mm-hmm. in the building that I started at the guitar company in. Um, it's a place called Max Senate Studios. And that was the original place where the Laurel and Hardy and all the Keystone Cops and uh-huh. all, all that stuff happened. You know, the, the staircases over there that they rolled the piano down and all that kind of stuff. So when I started the company, I was thinking of things that, were bigger than me, meant more than, than mm-hmm. me, because me, I, I don't want to have my name on a guitar or anything, really. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm not, it's not about that. It's about the overall craft and, and, and what it means as a, as, a, as a community and as a, as a, you know, so I was thinking, how can I encompass my inspiration and what, what I, you know, where I come from? Yeah, yeah. And what you know, walking down the street, you know, I'm I'm looking at buildings and noticing, you know, architecture, and that's what goes into the work, mm-hmm. you know. And then, so thinking back on the history of of our city, you know, I was thinking, well, you know, Glassell Park doesn't sound good, Highland Park doesn't sound good, like yeah, yeah, yeah. what sounds good, and 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 Echo Park just immediately was like okay that's that's it you know that that'll say everything it needs to say and it's universal it doesn't mm-hmm. if you're a musician and you don't even know where this place is if it even exists you can conjure up something in your head to 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 figure that out yeah and so i thought well that's 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 cool i can i can do that so it took about three years for me to get the trademark because the government kept like kicking it out because it was a it was a, a landmark designation, mm-hmm. and uh, but finally after about four years, and a lot of press and a lot of artists and a lot of work and money, of course they finally they finally acquiesced and 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 I got the trademark. So, so your Echo Park guitars, yeah, because you, you mean that's taking a lot of pride in your community i mean that's you didn't uh and it's nothing to say that leo fender you know decided to put his name on it but you know your experience in the you know one thing about and i think any if people are looking with where they live in their communities Mm. i don't know if we could say all communities are vibrant but 
I think in certain areas there is that human pulse that the city itself has, right? Oh, I yeah. mean, the smells, the sounds, oh, the sights, absolutely. right? Totally. Yeah. I mean, that that's when I when I when I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, what's bigger than me? Well, I'm here, so this is bigger than me. And, yeah, yeah. And you know, it's everything. You know, I mean, from every ounce of what I put into my work comes from what I've seen and experienced and felt, you know, and, and feel. So it, it, it only made sense to me to, to, to pay homage to, to the place where I grew up and, mm -hmm. and, and what inspires me here. And, and, uh, and it made sense and it still makes sense. And, and, uh, and that's all, you know, that's, that's probably the, the, you know, it's probably one of the things that that keeps me grounded too. Is is just you know I can I can do, I can defer to that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's you, not, you don't you don't forget where you come from. No, 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 you can't. You and know. I do this. I I I, uh, I mentioned I think since the pilot episode of this podcast, uh, there's a company that I totally support out in Placentia. That's my hometown. You know, I'm a transplant here to Whittier. I've been in LA for. LA County for probably the last 10, 15 years of my life. But, you know, there is that pride. Like, I don't forget where I come from. And maybe it's not the most glorious, right? Like, you know, we didn't have private lakes and, yeah. you know, paddle boats no. that we could go in the summer. But, you know, sewer <laughs> <laughs> slides. You know, and, and if they, if your community has that, God bless you. Yeah, right. You know, uh, you're fortunate. Enjoy it. Yeah. But, um, you know, we had uh, plywood that I think we screwed a, a, a <laughs> skateboard on two and four or five people hopped on. It. We had the forts. We had the forts. <laughs> you know. Climbing on trees, throwing at fruit at people. Not that I did that, but my yeah, friends right. did it, right? Oh, man. But, I uh, for stories. Uh, but and I think that's I, I, like Citric. Citric was here and we were talking and um, they shot a scene in Lincoln Heights mm -hmm. for one of their movies, Harsh Times with Christian Bale and Eva Longoria. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I showed him a, a still of the of the film, and I said I started laughing because I at the time I as he's sitting here talking, I told I him that yeah, the mailbox, the mailbox. <laughs> right? There's just certain things that I you know yeah. I don't have that you know, but yeah, it, it's it's a good thing to remember. And for you, I mean, what what you you talk about your mom sending you to these these classes where yeah. you're able to to learn about working with your hands and using your imagination, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And what what's the fondest memory? I mean, the memory that you're thinking because now you're a craftsman. I mean, you know, you you know people, and I quote unquote people because I'm sure you you don't flaunt the people you know. But when you're in, you know, being able to be in the presence of Joe Perry, or you know, even being able to speak with Dweezil Zappa, and and just the list goes on and on. But you're you're grounded in Echo Park. Yeah, I mean the first time that I got my hands on something and realized that uh, I could get lost in it really was a um, interesting enough it was a uh, one of those classes that my mom had 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 signed me up for it was a free class in Barnesdale Park I think I was about eight years old mm -hmm. and they were doing stop animation clay animation like Gumby and that kind of thing okay and I was like and I thought wow this is you know, and I, and this is a bunch. You know, it's like some of the kids' parents had paid for them to be there, and I was one of the ones that didn't. 
And and uh, so it was kind of funny being thr- thrust into that kind of weird situation because I'm from the ghetto where like there's gang fights in, in the street in front of the house, yeah. you know, and there's a there's a there's a there's a mariachi bar in the back of the house, and there's like <laughs> you know that that yeah. environment, you know, the trains are clanking mm-hmm. and crashing all night, you know, that kind of thing, and and here I am in this like there's cameras and backdrops in the studio and it was strange but within the first couple of days and getting my hands on the clay and then going hey you make a, a thing and then we'll take it apart and then you get to like put it back together and we take pictures of it and it becomes a film mm-hmm. and I thought oh that's okay and so I got lost and then I think the, th- the first one I did was called Star Farts <laughs> and it was it was <laughs> I had this model that I had made of a, of, a, of a, one of the Darth Vader's uh, fighters I mm-hmm. forget what they're called but you know Star Wars was big and um and so I brought I, I took that model and um, I was into models too mm-hmm. and uh and I and I made these creatures and we did the whole thing and it turned out great and it was and then that was like that kind of like you know, the sparks kind of, the synapses started firing then. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started. I mean, the first time I had a guitar in my hand was like four probably, mm-hmm. you know, and Elvis and all that, you know. And and uh, I used to put on little shows for my family at the, you know, holidays and whatnot. But that was the first. And it was in, you know, Barnesdale Park, which is in, you know, Silver Lake Echo Park area. So that's one of the first memories that I had. It was like... It makes sense that I, you know, uh, Jackson Brown and all these other just amazing musicians that are now the know, Eagles too, right? Yeah, yeah, just a, a, a ton of writers and, and directors and, and artisans and, and musicians all were converging there in the in the in the beat era, you know, pre Beatles you know, mid-60s, mm-hmm. you know, pre-hippie kind of thing. And, and so it kind of was an end, you know, Highland Park as well. It was like an enclave of like, you know, the Knicks, basically. A lot of people don't know that, no. right? I mean, it's not something that people talk about, that no. these basically people that became legends of, I guess, the genre of classic rock mm-hmm. or, uh, came from that area. Yeah. I mean, or they, 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 they ended up becoming a melting pot where they brewed and oh, stewed their yeah, ideas and, and music. Was, it was great because it was chief living and you had the lake and you had, you know, some other, you know, but back in the 20s, I mean, that place was hopping, you mm-hmm. know, it was like, you know, the place to be. And, uh, you know, the center of of the new uh, entertainment industry, you know, and, and so there was a, there's, there's been a, a you know, a, a wave of, of popularity, you know, now it's actually, you know, it's back again, but I don't know that it's because of anything special that's going on necessarily, but, you know, it's, yeah. it's a real estate thing. And, and, but just kind of all that included, you know, and, and, uh, um, you know, a uh, lot of years of, Later on, you know, being drugged through those streets, literally, and, and, and wandering around like a zombie for a lot of years. To, you know, like, so I've had a, a long history of, a long colored, colored history, you know, through the city. And, and so when I started the company, I was like, okay, you know, I, I got to I gotta somehow include all this life experience into this stuff, too. So my dad is an artist. Mm-hmm. And he uh, 
prolific artist that nobody will ever know about because he he never he never shared it. You know, mm-hmm. he he always kind of didn't feel <clears throat> like it was good enough, I guess. And and, uh, and that's something that I that I am out to kind of reverse. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. afraid to like stand on the corner butt naked you know against the wind because that's what you have to do it's it's there's a lot of judgment and stuff like that when you're you know when you creep into the public eye there's there's people that are just going to be mean and nasty and judgmental and and all that kind of stuff and and not that that happens a lot, but when it happens, it's kind of like, oh, you know, it's kind of like, dude. <laughs> Even though you've been through a lot, yeah. it seems like words still hurt. Oh, it's, right. It's, I mean, you know, you could you could take you know you know beat down or you know get in a street fight or something. I'd rather but, have that yeah. <laughs> versus because I think it does something to our ego, right? Like. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you put a lot of work into what you do, and you put a lot of work in your soul. And you're everything into the craft, you know. If you're if you're a craftsperson, um, and it hurts to have somebody, you know, tear it down, yeah. and, and 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 just you know fuck with the surface of it. And that's mm-hmm. that's what that's what hurts because those things they don't scar me necessarily. I think they build the character, you know. And and hopefully, as I grow older, I won't be embittered, but. You know, <laughs> no, but that's part of the journey. I think that yeah. you you're able to, you know, even for myself, right? We're talking about uh, you know going through the the journey of uh, building something and, and putting your heart and your soul and your passion and your dreams and your future. Mm-hmm. And we do a great degree. You end up putting your future into it. Oh, absolutely. And then I think for me, the biggest irritant it's like that that little uh, rock in my shoe is when. You work with somebody and then they don't even bother to support, like even give a, you know, a credit or even acknowledge you. And and that's to me, the. but I think it's because if people haven't had a tough journey, I mean, a really strong crawling and digging yourself out of a big hole in life, you don't learn that appreciation and gratefulness. Yeah. And I think you have that. And I'm just hearing you talk. I think. You sound like a very grateful person for your life, your community, good and bad, good and bad. I mean, it's oh, not, yeah. you didn't separate the two and be like, you know, there's some people that do that, right? They move away and yeah. they're like, I want to forget that place no. and never, Yeah, no. It's, you named it, your company after yeah, your community. It's, 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 it's in my blood. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's on the soles of my feet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and, you know, I mean, I'm very fortunate to have the people around me that that are around me, my family and my wife. My wife is an extremely uh, loving and 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 gentle and and honest person, and she is my my rock. You know, mm-hmm. she she's um, and 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 not to you know get all mushy or nothing like that, but I mean, she's the perfect foil for me because anybody less than her and i just try to get away with murder basically so you know she 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 knows how to crack the whip and when you know and and we get into it but whatever it's 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 she's exactly what i need you know and and she keeps me very grounded in reality all the time so you know and having a child you know that that's a whole nother aspect to to life you know and to to becoming a a different person and, and growing and and hopefully uh 
yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the same guy I was, t you know, 11 years ago. And who were you? Who were you 11 years ago? <sighs> 11 years ago, I was, I was still a drug addict. You know, I was still, I was still shooting dope. You know, and and, and struggling to figure out what the fuck I wanted to do and how. You know, I had a long. I had a long kind of experience um, early on, just uh, during high school and out of high school up until about 1996. Um, I was just doing guitar business. I was just building guitars. Mm -hmm. I built guitars. I built a guitar for Dweezil's dad and some other cats in the industry. You know, worked for Leo Fender just out of high school, and and had a really great experience and had a really firm foundation in in in, in guitar production work and mm -hmm. also custom work from a couple of guys here in LA that I moved into after Leo died in the early 90s like 91 and um and then I decided that I wanted to experience life behind the wheel meaning I wanted to go play guitar and fuck chicks and do drugs and go on the road and record <laughs> and do you know basically do the Rolling Stones thing and you know you get you know you start to dream a little and start to fantasize mostly about all that kind of shit and you don't realize how much fucking work it is like mm -hmm. those guys just work and i mean those guys when i say those guys i mean like anybody that's in a touring working producing band works their asses off mm -hmm. and it's 24 7 and so to balance you know, life with a kid and a wife or whatever and manage a career is, is, is very, as I'm finding out now, still at, you know, almost 50, you know, some of my clients are, you know, prolific guys and I get to, you know, not just mingle with them, but exist, you know, like exist with them for days on end sometimes mm -hmm. in, in designing and, and, you know, just hanging out and, and talking shop and figuring out in their head what they need and what they want and, you find that these guys are just insane workaholics, mm -hmm. prolific artists, and just nonstop and juggling 30 things at the same time constantly. Like I do as a business, as, just as a business guy, you know? Mm -hmm. And and <clears throat> and so getting getting back to the, the, the family, um, you start kind of... Uh, I get, I'll, go, I'll go back again, but when when I was a drug addict, I was I wasn't doing any of that shit. I was only dreaming, you know. I was only just you know wishing and just kind of fantasizing and shit. So you know, I went through a long period of that, mm -hmm. and I had my own business throughout that. I did you know guitar stuff all all throughout that. Managed to somehow maintain some sort of <laughs> you know uh, profile there, uh, and. Uh, and then I just got lost, you know, completely. It just engulfed me. And I wound up going down a really dark path for a long, long time. And and uh, the the tail end of it, you know, I met my wife. And, um, and she had already had a lot of, you know, she had been through some similar stuff and, and had managed to, to yank herself out of the depths. Mm -hmm. And uh, my mom, huge... I mean, she is comes from a really hard existence, a hard hard background as a child. So I had these 
you know, and my sisters and everybody, you know, that I, th throughout the years of my own kind of self-abuse, I always had love. You know, mm -hmm. I always had like a lot of love around me and I just kind of finally uh, succumbed to that. You know, I finally, I think I was laying in a cell somewhere and it just kind of like hit me like, okay, it's time, you know, this is fucked and I hate it and it's, it's just stupid. Like I just wasted fucking 10 years of my life for fucking nothing, you know, mm -hmm. and I could have been doing so much more with my talent and my time and, and like, and just kind of, you know, I kind of just look back on the shit that I tossed out the window for for a feeling, you know, for a fake feeling, you know, and um, and I thought, well, okay, how can I how can I get out of this? Because it's just it's too I, I I can't. Obviously, I've not killed myself yet, so I'm living through this. So what's the next thing? So I managed to to. You know, it, it took a while, you know, because you're not, you don't know how to think after that. You don't know how to have emotions. You don't know how to process friendships or information. Or There's a lot of things that kind of, it, it just, I can, and I could see around me the guys that I, that I had become kind of like and that they were repeat offenders and, and just living in the system. And we all know them. I mean, mm -hmm. growing up here, um, and so I, I, I looked, I think I had a peek down the road in my head and I said, fuck that, I, I can't do that. You know, it's like, I can't be the only dude in my family. At that time, I was the only guy in my family, period. And and have this sort of legacy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and I can't do that, I've got, I've got more than this and I can do better, so. And that was the only thing that I thought. I wasn't thinking about guitars. I wasn't thinking about rock and roll. I wasn't thinking about being a father or none of that shit. It was like, I, I know that I can just be a better person than this. And so by the time I kind of got my head out of my ass, it was about, uh, I started around 2004, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then by the time uh, our, our Petra came along, she was uh, 2006. And it took another year before I really like, you know, got got my shit together, and then uh, and so that was that was about what it was, you know. So it's been about ten years, and then right mm -hmm. around that time, I'd had different gigs, different jobs, doing historic restoration, and somehow I managed to be like a prolific artist in in the, in the historic community, and I, I was doing like. Uh, high rises downtown that were mm -hmm. like teardowns of old buildings and they needed like recast corbels or finished carpentry done or like replicating, you know, moldings from the twenties and shit like that. And I've somehow I figured out how to do all this shit on my own and just, and it, and it kind of took off for me and I, I, I landed a really great job with the company and, and just, that's, I was, a, I was a first call artisan in, in that industry for up until about, up until the time that I started this company. Um, and, you know, I got my head out of my ass and started getting clean. And So when you were at your lowest, was your lowest when you were in that jail cell? I mean, or was it was there another time when you just like, no, that was, that was the moment right there. I <laughs> said. There was a lot of them. I honestly, uh, I think the lowest point was I was homeless downtown and I was shooting dope in an alley behind at on like 
8th in, in Los Angeles. And it was, you know, 3 in the morning. And for fun, we were, like, throwing batteries at rats and seeing who could kill them. And we were shooting speedballs. And I was with a couple other homeless people. And it just kind of... I think that was my lowest, honestly, because I had I had I had been engulfed. You know, the streets of Los Angeles had swallowed me up at that point. And I, I remember distinctly like tucking behind a dumpster to to do a shot at about, you know, four in the morning and just kind of I just was like, how in the fuck did I get, like, what is this? Like, and, and it took a while for me to get out of that, you know. And then the last time, the, the very last time that I shot Dove, um, I, I had been busted and I was looking at, you know, a long prison sentence because of my past. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, and Petra was here already. And my brother-in-law, who had, who had beat a murder case back in the day, bailed me out. And he uh, he was an ex-gang member and stuff here in Los Angeles. And he, he bailed me out. And had he not bailed me out and had other doors opened as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a result of me getting bailed out, I had another friend in the program who, who knew a, a friend that, that knew the judge in the courtroom, and she, by matter of you know i don't want to call it chance but it, because it's a little bit beyond that but she actually was the head of a, of a company that that kind of um helped people get uh alternative sentencing at the time mm-hmm. so she kind of she you know her and i connected and she was like look i know the judge here's what you got to do and i did that and uh i wound up uh I, I, the last time after that, I was I was kind of it still hadn't really hit me yet, and I did one more dime bag downtown, and that that time I felt like I had just injected death into myself, mm-hmm. and and just my soul and my heart and just everything, and it just kind of went black, and I thought this is fucked. I can't do this anymore. This is just it doesn't work. It's not, nothing's working anymore, so. And that was it. That was the last time I felt like, I felt like a maggot crawling through a piece of shit. That's, that was the feeling that I felt. And, and, and that's how I saw myself at that moment. You know, I thought, well, I think a magnet, a a magnet, you know, maggots even got more dignity than I do at this point, so. I mean, so you go from that. I mean, it's just, you're, you're, when you're telling the story, I mean, my mind is going there. I'm thinking about this (laughs) and not just the maggot through the piece of shit, but that was pretty, uh, but, um, I think it's just, you know, I would never have imagined that. I would have never imagined that. I mean, I look at your work and I'm going to put up here on the screen. And like I say, for those of you listening to the podcast, Make sure that you tune in on our website and you can see um, these images. Here's an image that we use in the magazine. Uh, it's you, right? And here you are in your shop, your business, named after your community. From You're not behind a dumpster. You're not That machine right there is yours. <laughs> uh, you're using some pretty good wood there. And it's yours. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to see that somebody can survive. Uh, and I, it'd probably be through destiny, through destiny and through life, being able to, and you responding because not a lot of people do. Like you said earlier, uh, 
you were able to look down, take a peek around the corner to see your feature. And not a lot of people survived this. And here you are in this shop. Is this the one here in El Monte? Yeah, this is right down the street. Yeah. Because what happened in Echo Park that you had to move from Echo Park to El Monte? Uh, white people moved in. <laughs> no. no. I, Target. Uh, can, uh, well, Walmart. Can, can you be more direct? <laughs> yeah, my sponsors. Uh, no, like, you know, <clears throat> like every popular place that becomes popular, people want to own it, you know, white people mostly. But... Uh, no, I uh, I saw it happen downtown, you know, because I was working on those buildings and like the high rises and it's like, and ironically, w literally like doing my craft in a building, looking at the building next door, going, oh yeah, I remember like this happening <laughs> there, like not more than a couple of years ago, and now it's this different flourishing, you know, tattooed young chicks with dogs and all that kind of shit. Bistro, or yeah, cafe, the whole yeah. the whole thing is like, okay, I get this, I've seen this, and so when it's when when I when I landed the spot there in, in Echo Park and it wasn't happening there yet, just kind of the the first little, you know, first little inklings of it, and and uh, I thought, well, and I was in a big ass old building just to myself like this place is like you know eighty thousand square feet and i had like six thousand of it to myself mm -hmm. just doing you know guitars and no epa no you know just just you know plugged into the wall <laughs> going for mm -hmm. it and um and as soon as the developers started kind of sniffing around i kind of knew that the time was short you know and uh, the guy that owned the building was kind enough to just let me live, the, not live there, but but operate there, like without any kind of you know regulations or normal kind of mm -hmm. things. And uh, and it was great. It was a real blessing because I was able to kind of dig my trench, you know, and get my footing solid, and and actually able to be in the community and have access to everything that I needed to that I need and want to have access to, and then uh, and then the trucks rolled up one day, <laughs> and then and they basically said it was December of two thousand thirteen, I believe. And they said, okay, you've got, you know, it was like December 1st. He's like, you got to be out of here by January 2nd. And and I had a full operation there. And I mean, it was just me and the finisher, but I still did a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the middle of a lot of guilds and things like that. And so um, my wife is just, she can find that she's just she's found houses for like everybody that I know including us like a mm -hmm. lot of times and so I just, I just sicked her around the job and said we gotta find a shop you know find and we were living in Arcadia because the school system just is amazing out there so she she somehow ran into a guy at uh, at Whole Foods you know and uh, he was a, a, a a real estate guy that uh, managed commercial spaces mm -hmm. and he knew of a place you know in El Monte and, and 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 ironically another irony is I drove by that place the day earlier and and had walked into the place and asked about it and they were like no somebody's already got an appointment booked 
and I didn't know that my wife had already booked an appointment for me. And so when I came back the next day with the agent, they're like, weren't you here yesterday? I said, yeah, this is... So it was the building. You you, you were scoping it out, <laughs> yeah. and your wife had already set up a appointment. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. That's so cool. It was, so it was, it was meant to be. So I just jumped, you know, like basically overnight into this new spot and set up and went to town and... I do everything backwards mostly. I just kind of go. I don't really tell. You, I don't really ask permission or, or any of that stuff. So the the city came by and shut me down because I was building all this stuff and you know installing a spray booth and I hadn't gotten any any yeah. of the permits or any of that stuff. So again, my brother in law now he's a contractor, you know, and he's prolific himself. Um, I, you know, he helped me pull the permits and get everything straight with the city and pay all the, you know, yeah. fees and whatnot. And, and I got it all straight and was back in business within a couple of weeks. And, and, um, and I've been, you know, I've been doing that ever since. And, and some of the stuff you're producing there is, let me pull up some images here of this beauty. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, uh, that's the J model. And uh, I, de I designed that guitar with uh, Troy Van Leeuwen from mm -hmm. Queens of the Stone Age. Um, and it, 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 again, uh, you know, uh, Lake Los Angeles blue is the color. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of guys that have come along that have inspired me. The 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 pick the pickguard, which is aluminum, was inspired by a guitar that Jackson Brown brought down to the shop one day because we started working together a few years back, and and I said, bring down like the two guitars that you really want to like encompass into one. Mm -hmm. And one was an old Japanese Tisco, and the other was an old Gibson. So we kind of included. So I kind of was able to dissect these guitars literally and figure out what it was about them internally that produced you know, what, what he, you know, what he was drawn to sonically. And then when I found out what that was, it, it enabled me to kind of put it into other instruments. And this is the one that I found was, okay, this, this ingredient here works really well with this ingredient here. And Hey, Troy, I got this idea. What do you think? Come on down. And he's been very, 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 uh, uh, integral. We've worked very closely for mm -hmm. you know about five years now on a bunch of different stuff, and and he and those guys have just been phenomenal. You know. And earlier you had mentioned you worked with the offender, right? You worked mm -hmm. for them. Did you work for them in Fullerton, or did you work when he was in GNL or GNL? GNL. Yeah, that was his company with George Fullerton, and then those were the original guys that started Fender back in the, yeah. in the fifties. Was Leo. George and this guy Floyd, they were the the, the first three guys, and, and and Forrest White to some degree, but but those three guys, uh, you had the designer, the the actual builder, and then you had the sales guy, you know, mm -hmm. which was Floyd, and those are the three guys that hired me. So I didn't really know much about them when I got when I was getting ready to get hired into the gig. I was working for uh, um, an old uh, classical guitar maker in, in Monrovia back then, just apprenticing. <clears throat> and he was getting ready to retire. And he said, hey, you know, I know you like electric guitars more than this shit, so I'm going to hook you up with these guys down in Fullerton. He didn't tell me. He, to him, it was just a 
you know, he, he just known these guys forever. So it was just kind of, you know, hey, these guys. And so on the way down there, um, the, the, the morning prior, he hands me a little pamphlet, and it was like their little, you know, leaflet thing. So you check them out. So, so on the way, on the bus ride down there, it was like 5 o'clock in the morning. I took the bus, <laughs> the bus from, you know, uh, uh, Highland Park. And, uh, and, um, and I was reading the pamphlet, and I was like, oh, Leo Fender. And, um, and, and it kind of hit me then, like, oh, this is, like, important shit. You know, this guy's, like, the dude. You know, uh-huh. there's, there's Orville Gibson, there's Martin, and there's Leo. And, uh, and so by the time I got down there, I was just sweating bullets. You know, I had my, my first guitar that I had made with me and all that kind of stuff. And Yeah, you're bringing up something to show, right? Yeah, I figured, you know, I might as well have some kind of proof, you know, that, mm-hmm. that I could do something. And so, um, so I walked in, and it was a conference room, and it was Leo, you know, uh, George and, and Floyd and, and this guy, uh, George uh, Martinez, and uh, who was the foreman of the shop at that time, and uh, and it was weird, you know. They did like a, an interview kind of thing, and Leo didn't say a fucking thing because he couldn't really talk at that time. He, mm-hmm. he had a couple of strokes, and he was just kind of there. But he was there, you know. Mm-hmm. Like his eyes were like there, you know. He was like staring at me the whole time, so it was kind of intimidating. But. Uh, um, when I left, you know, he kind of shook my hand and, and, and he got a really hard, like insane grip. And I was kind of like, you know? yeah. and he looked and he, and he, and he looked at the guitar and he was like, you know, kind of moaned and, and, uh, he's like, good job. You know, and I was like, all right, cool. And, and they called me the next day and I started and within about a month I was running the department, um, with no real prior experience and just how long were you there for i was there until he died so from 88 to 1990 i think is when he died november 1990 see and that's crazy because you were there in fullerton and my hometown's right next door yeah you know so during those years i was in high school but yeah uh, you know who would have thought and then here we are today uh you being uh, an amazing amazing luthier on your own uh, you know your 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 guitars. Um, this guy here plays your guitars. That's is that his model right there? That's one of them. That's yeah. Joe Perry. That is that is the Joe Perry. Yes, it is. Um, he is. Um, yeah, I think uh, the, the arts are magical. You know, uh, any arts, mm-hmm. uh, in particular the the, the musical arts. Um, I, when I get to when I get to lock horns with a guy like that, not that there's many of him, there's only one of mm-hmm. him. He, uh, it's always interesting because you get to get inside their heads. With Joe, it was particularly and still is particularly interesting because he's very honest and very intimate you know we have very we have a very intimate relationship in terms of our our artistry and and he's he's helped me immensely spiritually and 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 you know egotistically as as an artist and 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 also as a as a as a guitar builder because he's one of those guys where as a rock star there's no denying him but as a player and other things you know there's he 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 gets a lot of criticism you know 
And, you know, he's pulled me aside a number of times and said, you know, there's a ton of dudes that can play circles around me, but can they write a song? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of guys that can build guitars, great guitars, but can they build them with, that's, can they do them the same way you do? The creativity, and I think probably even originality to oh, them. Absolutely, and, 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 he, and he's helped me develop my eye. You know, I give I give my clients, all of them, you know, the, the palettes, and then I let them paint the picture, you know, and, and I'm just the, I'm just the vehicle. That's all. Um, with with Joe in particular, he's 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 sent me down some rabbit holes that I would have never thought to go down otherwise. And and you learn from that, and you gain so much experience that you can then put into Joe Blow's guitar that just ordered it online that has no clue, and 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 they get the same thing. You know, they don't get anything. They don't get the B stock or they get the same fucking thing. And a lot of guys don't realize that working with these artists, you know, putting them first gives me the experience and the opportunity to put that into their instruments. They're they're getting the benefit of the information and knowledge that you're obtaining because just like any other good craftsman, they're always learning. Yeah. Yeah, you never have arrived. Never. Like, oh. This is the. There may be certain guitars that you're going to make that that guitar has a special for a moment in time for whatever it is. Yeah. But you never arrive. No, never. Your I, destination. I, yeah. No, there is no destination. Your destination is, you know, later on today sometime. You know, but <laughs> like, like, like with with, you know, the bevy of, of guys that I'm so privileged and honored to work with. It's like it only makes what I do better for the other guys that don't or gals that 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 don't have that status mm-hmm. necessarily. You know, it gives them the same thing. You know, the quality is always here. It's never here for just the guy that just calls in. You know, it's always you know, all the all the eyes are dotted, all the T's are crossed, all the details. All so, w- w- out of out of all the people you've worked with, which is the first time that you thought, "Holy shit!" Like this guy here is just, you know, I've heard his records, you know, since I was younger. What what, what was the one guy that just blew your mind? <sighs> not that the others aren't impressive. It's just the fact of that's not a fair question. That <laughs> moment that you're just like it was Joe. Honestly, I, I have to say because. I've been listening to Aerosmith since literally since I was like uh, 1975, you mm-hmm. know, probably, you know, when when Walk This Way was on the the, the, the radio, mm-hmm. you know, and then and then I got that record, you know, you know that first record and then the second record when I was a child, literally, you know, um, and 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 it's in, ingrained. Those riffs are just ingrained in my DNA, mm-hmm. you know, and so. Being able to sit with him the first time, I was like shaking. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember leaving the studio because we spent like hours together. Like mm-hmm. the minute that we met, it was like, oh. And he was like, oh. And I brought some guitars down. And it was kind of weird, you know, getting to sit with him. But but Jack Douglas, their longtime producer, he actually, he and I met first. And he was like, how are you not like this? famous guy you've got these great things and i said hey you know i'm just kind of i don't know you know it's just kind of one of those things i guess and he's like well i I gotta introduce you to joe and all these other cats so Mm -hmm. i said okay 
And so it was really like Jack Douglas, you know, a guy behind the scenes that you would never even think, you know, but his ear, I mean, is like John Lennon, Alice Cooper, like the the list goes on, right? And here I am sitting with legendary Jack Douglas and, and going, this is the guy, you know, that really, you know, so it's the guys behind the scenes too. They connect know. the dots, yeah. Yeah, totally. And the, the, the techs and all those guys, you know, we, I have friends that are techs that are just, you know, as legendary as anybody else. And so, um, so when I met him, it was, it was, we, we immediately, you know, locked eyes and it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was great. And, and so we, he invited me into the, the control room and, that you know he started using them immediately like that that minute you know Mm -hmm. and so me sitting there with him here tracking and steven on this side and jack right and it was just us four in the room and i'm like (laughs) holy shit you know (laughs) am i awake yeah and it was like wait a second you know and then and then that night we got to talk about everything like dope and kids and fucking and just like everything you know it was like you know the road and loud amps and guns and knives and you know everything stupid and and just realizing oh wow these guys are so fucking human this is awesome you know And, Mm -hmm. and um and I remember leaving the studio that night and calling my wife, just like sobbing, you know, no, no, Joe Perry. Yeah, yeah. And she was like, "Shut up," you know. <laughs> and uh, and and that went on, you know, through the whole the rest of the sessions that they did. I was, you know, invited over and door kind of thing, and and uh, it was amazing, you know. And and that's when <clears throat> that was the that was the that was when it uh, like I had if I ever arrived that was the day that I arrived the, the this point in time, and from then on you know it's been it's it's been an amazing little journey you know and and and, and Joe's been been just the kindest most generous person that I think I've ever met in the industry honestly he's. Mm. You know, he doesn't get, he doesn't expect free guitars or anything like yeah. that, and he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, demand anything. And if I have an idea, you know, and he's he's open to it, and he's he's certainly full of ideas. I mean, the guy owns like a million guitars and has played a million guitars and yeah. been doing that pretty much all his adult life, and and uh, so that's a, a a life of experience on the top and on the bottom numerous times and and you know uh so we have a lot of parallels you know him and i in terms of our personal lives Mm -hmm. as well and pretty ironic you know so we get to talk about those things too and and some of the things that have happened in the last couple of years that that aren't necessarily the greatest but you know get to share that kind of stuff part of life i mean that's the the it doesn't matter where you come from music is something that you know it gives us the ability to to listen and to incorporate and to feel. You know, I mean, I growing up in a Mexican household, uh, Mexican music and mariachi and boleros and, and and you know the guitar was just. I mean, it wasn't there was no like crazy solos, right? It wasn't like until I heard Carlos Santana, and then I was like, what the you know? And and I love I love I. As a teenager in my early twenties, played guitar, loved loved guitars, and so you know, growing up so close to to Fender Street, I mean, he had a whole one because I think CBS mm-hmm. built um, the complex, mm-hmm. yeah, where they built, um, and so 
music is just something, even for me, I, when I met um, one of my college professors, his son was, I believe, one of the last students of Andrea Segovia. Mm. You know, the greatest yeah. class of the father. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I went to uh, performance. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, this guy just put up a little footstool <laughs> and played and I met him afterwards. And it was just, you know, like holy ground. You're yeah. walking up and because there's a connection, yeah. music makes us feel. Yeah. And so you're you're creating the very instrument that is allowing the music. The musician could be a musician all day long, but without the instrument that's being handcrafted by an individual such as yourself, I mean, to get that sound. You know, even for Frank Zappa, I think you said you made a guitar for, for yeah. Frank. I mean, just... Uh, uh, innovative, you know, avant-garde at times oh. musician. And to be in those places from coming from where you came from, I mean, to even start in, you said it as a classical uh, apprentice at a classical guitar mm -hmm. manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And you've kind of, I, I, tell me about this line. I, I don't know if this is fairly new or maybe I just seen this. Uh, your acoustic line. Yeah, I mean, uh Jim Dugan, who's uh, one my my one of my he's one of my assistants and, and partner, we've been to we've been working together for about eight years. He he owned the shop that I actually wound up purchasing because he was going through some hard times and 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 was not in a good way, and I recognized it and said, hey, rather than you being you know, out on the street and not with any of your stuff. I'll, I offered him some money and said, Hey, I, when you're, when you're, when you get your shit together, give me a call, you know, I'll have this stuff and you can, we can work together. Mm -hmm. So he, 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 he did. And, and, uh, we started building acoustics cause he's just a phenomenal artist, you know, phenomenal acoustic builder. And I wanted to get into that. You know, I was like, I want to always, challenge myself and elevate my craft and i think well i can learn from this cat you know and so him and i started building acoustics about five years ago yeah. together and um and we sold a few but we're not done yet we just started we just i last this last year i i redesigned the headstocks on them to something that i i like a little more uh -huh. um it, it, it kind of has a little more of a signature kind of thing and design wise within the the the, the element itself i wanted to do a, a, a more traditional headstock and and uh, do something that was a little more vibrant that had a little mm -hmm. more pitch to the back of the nut and you know some elements that kind of create a little more tension across the board where you could do some internal things to the bracing to allow them to the instrument itself to be a little more vibrant and reactive mm. and you know just kind of design wise on the inside engineering wise nothing too crazy just enough to to make it different and and better you know better response make it your style yeah Still like your style, I wanted I mean. to respond better to to be a better a higher quality build to be more rugged you know to last longer basically mm -hmm. um and be you know be handed down from generation to generation because the thing with acoustic guitars is generally after about 30 years a well-built one starts to kind of fall apart because of the glues and things like that mm -hmm. that they used some of the pre-war martins which are the pinnacle of, of acoustic guitar making um 
yeah, I used with hide glue, animal glues, and things like that. And, and the bracing was kind of uh, a new a new thing, you know. Orville Gibson brought brought bracing into into the guitar making community via the mandolin back in the twenties. And so it kind of, it's a new thing for the guitar. It's evolved. So I wanted to just kind of take a look at that again and not, not get really scientific with it. We don't build like with computers and, and CNC and all that stuff. It's all by hand and by feel. And, and just in, in knowing, uh, Jim's repaired a ton of old Martins and a ton of old Gibsons and a ton of old Weisenborns from the 20s and 30s. And, and so have I. So we've been able to get inside these things and look at the things, kind of like Leo Fender. Leo Fender designed Fender amps before he designed the guitars mm -hmm. because he was a, a radio repair guy mm -hmm. back in the 40s. And he, uh, PA, public address systems back in the 40s, that was his gig. He had a, a radio repair shop. So when he designed his amps, he designed them so that a repair guy could repair them easier, so that mm -hmm. they would last longer, So that, and he knew how to build an amp better because of his repair experience. So that was kind of, so that's the approach we take to, to the acoustics is like, you know, I want to build guitars that last a couple hundred years, honestly. That's, that's my goal is to like mm. be able to pass it down to generations without having to fuck with it, you know? Yeah. And and it's just going to get better and better and better as as an instrument, you know, and and you know the the instruments I feel like are, are canvases for the soul, you mm -hmm. know. They they allow whether you're a prolific artist or a beginner, you know, you you that 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 vibration, mm -hmm. just the vibration itself is is a universal vibration, so it it can transform your life you know no, and i think that's what you, you, you look at concert goers i mean you're talking it could be an intimate crowd of a couple thousand or you know 30 or forty thousand in a stadium mm -hmm. it, it's it's it does something to the oh. to the human soul yeah. man we're we're either we associate good memories good times even bad times i think i had willie g here from the midnighters oh. the midnighters and you know we talked about it music just that it's something that just it's it ingrains itself in us where we can put ourselves in moments in time or cause us to feel something oh yeah and i think that it's amazing to see and even to hear of your journey i mean because you are a craftsman i mean it's not i i can't i, I admire you man I, tons i'm i'm not only for your what you're producing but i think even here in your journey that you came from you know bad experiences uh drugs um, finding yourself homeless. I mean, and, and to 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 be able to be an inspiration, and hopefully to anybody out there listening, if you know you're going through something, man, life ain't. It's not over. It's it's if you're still breathing, like you said. <laughs> I think at one point you said you go, I'm not dead yet. Yeah. And I mean, it's not in life. Everybody, if you just sit back and think about what your purpose is, and I think you have your purpose, and it's nowhere near over. But it's because you're now, and this is something that's. Uh, I'm still trying to process. You're leaving to Michigan. Yeah, yeah Detroit. Detroit. <laughs> I just said Michigan because I think it makes it sound worse. Or <laughs> <laughs> better. No, it, to me it sounds worse. Michigan, and yeah. then I say Detroit. Well, that's kind of like a cultural hub now. But. Yeah, it's it's uh, <clears throat> that that's a whole other thing. I I uh, as as a as a guy that. Uh, 
is in an art industry as an artist, you know, because I don't look at myself as a guitar maker. I just, I'm not a guitar maker. I'm not a luthier yet because I don't make lutes. Mm -hmm. And because I, I don't make like classical instruments, I think uh, I'm, I'm a guitar maker. And uh, in, in a pop industry, you know, the, albeit, at, you know, high-end stuff, you know, not for everyone, but yeah, I started thinking, well, the last couple of years has been uh, interesting because we live in Arcadia, mm -hmm. and it's just inundated with, you know, other cultures. And uh, not that that's a bad thing, that's a great thing, actually, but it's inundated with people. And looking at the school system and looking at the air quality and my kids got mold allergies and I've got allergies and my wife's got allergies and and just kind of, you know, in my travels because of the business, you know, the last few years, just going from like the West Coast to the East Coast to Texas, to, you know, visiting different places and having friends spread out over the country, I got to kind of start traveling a little bit, you know, because of the gig. And I started seeing things that I thought, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why that's there and that's not, you know, what's this and what's that? And and then looking at home prices. And then I had a friend of mine, uh, Jesse, who's got a shop in Vegas called Cowtown Guitar. He's the guy on Pawn Stars. Yeah. We're, we're very close friends. And, and he uh, he said to me a few years ago, I think about five years ago, he's like, you got to check out Detroit, man, because it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And, you know, from time to time, we'd have conversations. Hey, you got to take out Detroit. So finally, last year, I think it was, we, we, we had taken a vacation and did the American cross-country, you know, the, the, mm -hmm. the, the Grand Canyon thing in the Southwest and all that. And we wound up in Colorado at a friend's house up in Crested Butte, up in the hills. And I thought, well, you know what? I've seen enough places now and kind of checked out enough, you know, of the of the market to, to to kind of gauge where I think we should take this, you know. And mm -hmm. I started a little late in the game, you know, in terms of like having my shit together to to like maybe buy a house or get a little piece of the American pie, you know, kind of thing. And I just started thinking like where would be the place that, that we could like nestle down and just fucking go to town and just not think about ever moving again and where is the place where my kid's gonna have the best chance at like having clean air a good education you know and and just kind of those things you know where mm -hmm. is the place where there's like enough of, of local resources that i can do what i do have access to the people that i have access to here um, and, and without the high bills and without the cost of living and without, you know, where I can kind of like, where I can quit working 18 hours a day, yeah, yeah. where I can see my family, where I can spend time with You have a better wife. lifestyle. You can improve your, your quality of yeah, life. Yeah. I wanted to like, kind of like, okay, you, when the beginning of any business, as I've spoken to a lot of business guys, the first five years, you're gonna you're gonna spend a lot of fucking time at work, and you're gonna you're, if you're into it and, you're, and that's what you're doing, you're gonna live there 18 hours a day at least, and mm -hmm. for seven days a week. And and what I do, it never stops. I'm and I'm never not thinking about guitars. I'm mm -hmm. always that's doesn't necessarily mean I'm always at work, but that's just my life, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought, well, you know. 
I, I don't think I can afford to live here anymore and do what I want to do. You know, I'm always. So we started talking about it and thinking about it. And we looked into, you know, everywhere from Washington to Colorado, basically. And, mm -hmm. you know, all, all points in between, basically. And, and by the time we got to Colorado last year, when we left, ironically, the friend of mine that, that, that lives there has a home in, in, in Dallas as well. And he's, and he's from Detroit. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, he said, you know, what? I never want to go back there because I hate it, but I'll take you there and we'll, I'll meet you there if you want to go there and we'll, we'll, we'll check it out, you know. He's, he's into pop culture and he's, a, you know, a guy that's a renaissance man. And, uh, and so we met there and we spent about 10 days there, like on the ground. And he's a business guy, mm -hmm. like a corporate business guy. So he's like, okay. Yeah, the meeting thing out and the whole, like, everything was like, okay, first day we're taking a meeting with, you know, downtown Detroit, city of, you know, planning, whatever. And, like, they had a whole agenda. Every day he had, yeah. like, you know, the people that he wanted me to, to meet and talk with about, you know, Detroit. So I just let him do it. He took the wheel and I just kind of rode along and coffee eight o'clock in the morning on the road. We just rode around and just drove around and looked at buildings, looked at uh, houses, spoke with real estate agents, uh, city planners, developer, like the whole shot. And then finally made our way to the, the, the studio owners and the musicians and some of the clubs and that kind of thing down to Ann Arbor all the way up to... to, to um, all the way up the coast, you know, northern part of, of Detroit. And uh, and I thought, and this is in August, and there's like girls in the, in the, or not girls, but everybody was like, man, it's humid, you know, it's like hot. And I'm like, it's 100 degrees in the shade at home, you know, mm -hmm. like, what are you talking about? And uh, we had those really bad heat waves here, you know, and, and wood that I've had for 30 years, like old wood, is like splitting on me and, and, and things that, that I had that, that I was like building were like warping and wow. from the heat. And that never has never happened, you know. And so I started thinking about that, you know, I started thinking about the, the future of my career here and the wood and my resources and expenses and just all those things. And I got home and, you know, my wife and I were talking and, and we're in the backyard, and, and we live in a little back house right now mm -hmm. that's surrounded by apartments, you know. It's a house, but it's, you know, nothing nothing to, nothing special. And, uh, and we're standing there, and I look up around me, and I'm like, it reminds me of, of a prison yard, you know. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, I can't live in apartments because of that, <laughs> you know. There's certain things that just, you know, freak me out. So, so she's like, you know what, I think... I think I only see you there. In Detroit? Yeah, I think I see us there. And I was like, all right. So so then uh, we hopped on a plane a couple of weeks later, and I took the girls back there, and, and we were back there for a week looking at houses and stuff and saw a bunch of really awesome stuff. You know, um, my daughter was, you know, she loved the weather and the lay of the land and the, the you know, the agriculture and the food. And, the, and we... Mm -hmm. And it was cool. It was really good, you know. And, and my wife loved it. And you know, she doesn't. She doesn't. She's not like a sunny like Southern California like you know, 
you know, she's an artist, you know, and so she likes to kind of stay hunkered down and, and, and focus on, on art. So when is the official move to Detroit? The official move is we load up the truck on the 24th and we're out of here on the 28th in, in a couple of weeks. Hey, I was going to say that's like <laughs> in nine days. So, yeah. Nine days you load up. Yeah. And then, and then I come back for them. I, I, we, we do the shop first and get the shop put together and, and we got to do some work on the house and stuff like that. So I'm going to manage that. And then I come back in June to get the girls and my mom and, 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 and uh, do the big move. Do, so this is a goodbye to Los Angeles. This is this is a c'est la vie. Yeah, this is. A, but you will be back, right? Oh, yeah. This is just a yeah. In, in Detroit, it's it's it's. I wouldn't say it's gentrification. I'd say that it's revitalization because that poor community has definitely been decimated mm. by the economy, and it's it's on its. It's been revived. Yeah, you know. it's been about 10 years, you know, that people have been kind of coming back. And it started with artists. Mm -hmm. You know, it started with street artists and artists, you know, like needing a place to, to live cheaply and do their art. And uh, and then the bankers and the, you know, real estate tycoons kind of took over. But the place that we found is is this, it's in a little place called Old Redford, which is just inside the city of Detroit, just uh, kind of... Ferndale and, and a couple of the other outside communities nestle up against it. So it's kind of like dropping, it's kind of like dropping uh, like Echo Park and Silver Lake mm. right in the middle of South Central mm. in 1982. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and I love it. It's just, it's so raw and kind of dangerous, but beautiful and amazing at the same time. And the potential is just ridiculous. There's an old theater, like, like two minutes from our house, that's our little community of Old Redford. Um, it goes way back to, like, Civil War era. Wow. There's, like, some of the landscape is mounds, and those are actual prayer mounds from, like, the 16th, 17th century, you know, Native Americans. Amazing. And, and just a, a rich, rich, rich cultural, agricultural history there in in, in the city. Mm -hmm. And, and um, you know, the River Rouge, part of it runs through the backyard. There's a huge abandoned golf course from the 20s. So the house that we wound up getting was actually built by, not built by, but, but commissioned by Henry Ford for his wife's sister. And... Um, it's an old stone 1920s Twitter with all the original everything. Which I'm sure you'll be posting plenty of pictures on Instagram. Yeah, there's 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 a few already. There's a couple of publications there that have posted some, you know, published some stories. And, and, and the community there is just like, oh, so welcoming and just so alive with, with you know, I don't think anyone's done what, what we're about to do there. <laughs> I, I, gonna, I don't think anyone's done that. So that, that's the good thing is when nobody can see it coming. Yeah, right? yeah, and 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 I and I kind of realized when we, when my wife found the house, it was like two in the morning, and she and I was at work still, and she texted me, and I was I, the phone was probably dead or whatever, and so I got home the next in the next morning, I saw it come up on the on the MLS thing. And I texted her, and she was like, hey, stupid, I already, like, you know. Mm -hmm. So she said, just get a hold of the agent, and you've already got a red-eye booked for tomorrow, and here's a check. <laughs> and I was like, okay. 
So I went, and I didn't believe it. I thought it was a false listing, you know. So I went there just basically to to not find it, basically. Mm -hmm. And I I rolled up to the house and just sat down on the sidewalk and and just my head, my jaw hit the floor, and I walked up to the to the agent that was representing the sellers. Mm -hmm. Just the nicest guy, you know, in recovery, kind of, you know, all that kind of stuff, and and just all the doors just kind of opened. Uh, the 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 family that lived there, the last family, we we, we were the fourth family to own the home. The wow. the, the third family, um, he's a lifelong classical musician from Hamtramck, uh, taught piano and violin and trumpet out of the house his whole, you know. So the kid, the daughter that I bought the house from grew up in a house where mm -hmm. it was just classical music all, all the time. That's all they did, you know. So when she heard, you know, the story and we talked and stuff like that, she, I think... I think that sealed the deal because there was a lot of offers on the table for the house, and we and we and and we somehow won the lottery. So. It's destiny, right? Like, yeah, I, I think that yeah, your life is sounding now that you're on the path that you're supposed to be on, and you're taking steps because it's work. It's not just you know sitting back and letting things naturally happen. You're no. you're busting your butt. As a guitar maker, not luthier, so I'll correct myself. You should have corrected me earlier because I said luthier. Yeah. But um, as a guitar maker, you are not only innovating your your own instruments because they are they're they're yours. They got your thumbprint, you know, with input from the artists themselves. Yeah. But they're yours, and now to be able to whether you started late or not, your life now is where it needs to be. And, and unfortunately for us, it's going to be Detroit, but for the people of Detroit and everyone else that can order, because you have a website. Yes. Which is? It's echoparkguitars.com. And on social media, and your handle, is it the same on mm -hmm. Twitter and Instagram? Yeah, yeah. At Echo Park Guitars. At Echo Park Guitars. So I would like to thank you for taking some time. And does it snow there? Yeah. It snows. It gets really, really fucking cold. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, not and, just cold, but fucking cold. Yeah, it gets fucking cold. And, <laughs> but I'm not. You know that there's things that like that that you know when you wake up in a cell mm -hmm. and who who whoever's in there, you know, and, and it's just like that kind of chaos, and you live through that for a lot of years. Yeah, all this shit is just minimal to me. I mean, it's like I, I can pretty well, much walk through anything. I, I would, <laughs> as as your as a send off, um, Sterling Ware of Boston. It's a company that's making pea coats oh. for the U.S. military. Oh, since I believe the sixties. Oh. I need one. Official, official Pico for the U.S. military. I mean, it is, they're, they're great American-made. And that's crazy because, you know, as you know, yes. to be American-made is a whole different thing. It is. But what's even more special, uh, they just, and it hasn't been released, and they replicated an 1800s miner's coat. Oh. Cowboy. Uh -huh. It's not only were miners wearing this coat, cowboys, uh, workmen. And they release, they're they going to release it. They sent me, I have a sample, but it's a sample I can give away. No. So this jacket, this it's like what we'd probably call like a prototype. Yeah. But it's 
a Sterling Ware Boston jacket. It's part of their American Heritage Collection. So I'm going to give it to you That's awesome. as a parting gift well, and to hopefully keep you warm in oh. <laughs> Detroit as you continually um, innovate and create these amazing, make these amazing guitars for not only the, you know, Joe Blow at home, and for that they'll be rocking in uh, arenas where there's Joe Perry, uh, do we, whoever it is that you're working with, uh, that you continue making these because it's something that uh, I admire. Um, I think it's great that you're doing it and that you make yourself available. We started this uh, relationship via email, yeah. and I wrote about you. And so let me give you the jacket, Damn and you man. can check it out. Oh, and thank you. That's amazing. God, wow. See if we can uh, get that there. You can lay it down. So this jacket, let's see if we can lay it out there. I let me. It's the the lining is just amazing. I mean, this is. Uh, it's based, like I said, based on an 1800s minor cowboy jacket, a workman jacket. That's amazing. And uh, it's part of their American uh, heritage collection. Uh, this thing, it, it's very reminiscent. It kind of has that feel to a peacoat. Yeah. Um, this thing will definitely guard you from the elements. Uh, their beautiful little pin here attached. You can take it off, but it's a sterling wear of Boston. Wow. Uh, American made, awesome quality. And so I hope you enjoy this jacket and it'll last you a lifetime. Thank you. And uh, wow, what a great honor. That's so amazing. I got to get, well, from, they're from Boston. So you know who I got to hit these two, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sterling Ware of Boston. I'll be telling Joe about these. Actually, I'll, I'll see him soon and I'll be wearing this. That's right. Rain or shine. That's right. This it's, thing's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's even got a side button over here. Uh, just to maybe, you know, ventilate, get a little right. bit more air, That's or if you awesome. want to, you know, just definitely button up. But thank uh, you. Thank you, brother, man. I I, I, I hope to continue, you know, uh, writing about you or uh, putting your stuff on our website. Well, when you come out to Detroit, supporting <laughs> you can stay at the house <laughs> and we can hang out. <laughs> that, that'll have to be on the to-do list. So yeah. make sure you check out echoparkguitars.com and also on social media at echoparkguitars. And uh, make sure you check out on our website, gentlemensavenue.com forward slash The Lodgecast on Instagram, at The Lodgecast, Twitter, at The Lodgecast. So that'll do it for today's episode. So uh, until next time, take care and be well. Thank you. Man. Thank you so much.